Praise the Lord. Dr. Hansen, how are you doing? Good, Shannon. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Everybody, we're excited to be here for another great broadcast of the Warning Program with Dr. Jonathan Hansen and the family there at World Ministries International in Stanwood, Washington. Today's date is Friday, November 4th, 2022. Dr. Hansen, you'd like to open us up in prayer? The mic is yours. Father God, we want to thank you again for this opportunity that we have to present the gospel of Jesus Christ, our God, to the world. So we just pray, Lord, that it will go forth with its power and authority that is the inspired word of God, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, documented in written form, verbally expressed through the voice of man. Your ambassadors, dear God, let it go forth with all authority, all anointing. People will be set free because you said the truth will set you free. We pray, dear God, that people will receive that truth so they can be set free, so they can walk in faith. They can allow their faith to grow. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to welcome all of you that are listening right now to our program. I'm on OmegaManRadio.com as well as the Warning Radio program, television program. Welcome, social media. I've got two special messages. The first program, I was with Matt Shea, former House Representative, Washington State, now a senior pastor. He's been with me on this program different times, but we got into Halloween. So we're going to talk about that. And that wasn't planned. That was spontaneous. It just came, I believe, from the Lord. Then I'm going to share on pursue your faith growing. How do you allow your faith to grow? How do we pursue our faith? Well, let me tell you, I pursue my faith and it grows. And faith is supposed to grow. Everyone has a measure of faith. So now sit back and enjoy as we begin tonight's program. This is Jonathan Hansen, president of World Ministries International. I want to welcome all of you that are listening once again to the Warning Radio Program. Special guest today is Matt Shea. Uh, Matt Shea is currently the senior pastor at On Fire Ministries and Kingdom Christian Academy in Spokane. He's a retired 12-year state representative and former House Republican Caucus Chair, State of Washington. Uh, welcome back, Matt. Great to be back on the show, Dr. Hansen. Well, I'll tell you, we're, we're in uh, critical times and... and uh, I know that uh, midterm elections are about here. In fact, a lot of people are voting already. The deadline is November 8th. And uh, depending on these elections, um, could determine um, the future of our country. Very much so. Uh, The future of our country hangs in the balance right now. And I I do think there is, I, I do think that there is a reason to be encouraged uh, I think that the overturning of Roe versus Wade was a sign. Now we have to make a choice of which path we will follow. As always, it's it's about repentance. But this is a this is a huge opportunity for us to live out our faith, and and also, I don't think people understand that if we if we allow this to continue much longer, we may not have the ability to have free and fair elections in the future. Um, there's already enough questions on the uh, integrity of our elections. The fact that the Chinese 
have infiltrated our election system. Um, and now that's being, uh, being litigated or prosecuted. And the fact that people that have highlighted where the infiltration has happened, uh, they threw in jail yesterday. Craig Phillips and, and uh, the True the Vote team, they brought it all out. They brought out all of this election integrity issue. And then all of a sudden, Catherine and Greg are thrown into jail because of exposing it. And the judge really wants to know who the confidential informant is. Well, I, you know, these, this shows that we have twofold uh, thing here. The first is we must be continuing to preach the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. But the second part of this is that we have to do the second most important, important thing. And that is to ensure that the Republic continues so we can do the first thing. And that really is, I think my message, at least today that this election is that important, and we can't just elect rhino Republicans that'll turn at the drop of a hat or talk a good game and not finish it up or follow through. We need to elect men and women of integrity that believe Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and that this republic is one nation truly under God. Well, we've been concerned, um, you and I, for months if we would even have elections. We know that this administration has uh, been pushing it seemingly all out for a nuclear war. I mean, we covered a little bit about uh, a nuclear war in our last uh, time we were together last week uh, as far as how it could happen anytime. In fact, we covered Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, she mentioned that is one of the reasons she left uh, the Democratic Party, again, representing Hawaii in the U.S. Congress there in Washington, D.C., and and she left. And she gave her reasons. And uh, one of it was that the party, uh, the Democratic Party, now have uh, been pushing and we're right on the precipice of a nuclear war. And she says, risking uh, starting World War III and destroying the world as we know it. Uh, so she gave her reasons and many, many reasons. I have pages of her reasons but she said this is not the Democratic Party of JFK. This is not the old Democrats. Basically, she, she's saying this is pure communism and we've got to stop it because we're going, they're trying to destroy the republic. And Matt, you and I have been saying this for about 15 years now. At least. Right. At least in conferences. Right. This, this isn't going to be Dr. Hansen or Matt you know, standing up, it, it's going to be all of us, especially the pastors in the pulpit. I, you know, we, we, I was at a, a, a small group of pastors. We were meeting with Charlie Kirk the other day, uh, and we had one of the, the pastors there, he said this, I'm really concerned that we're going to say something that almost is intended to be offensive and it's really going to drive people away from us. And I, I, I was thinking in my head, I don't think that's the problem in the American church today. I think the problem is we're not saying anything. I think the problem is we're not actually preaching the truth. We're not actually having high expectations for our leaders and holding them accountable. And, and this, this thing with election integrity is just a symptom of the larger problem, right? That that we must repent, we must turn toward 
Jesus, we must return him to the center of our lives so he's back at the center of our country. And all the things that we've been we've been preaching about, literally, like you said, for 15 years, it's no longer something we can even really talk about. It's something we must do. We, we have no more room to talk about this. We must do it now. Everybody listening to the show must do it now. People that are thinking, well, what can God do through me? What, what difference could I possibly make? That attitude is a defeatist, fatalist attitude that is not American and is not godly. All you have to do is what he's asking you to do right now, be immediately obedient. And the problem we have in America is people are not even listening or hearing the voice of the Lord, let alone obeying it. As soon as we start doing this, this thing changes immediately. And what the beautiful part is, I believe, is that evil is being exposed right now. People are waking up, and we can be right there in the position of pointing them in the right direction. Well, you're exactly right. I've done articles and, and programs, entire programs, sermons on it's now time. It's now or never. And, and going into the facts, what's really going on right now to topple the republic. You know, if we don't turn this around now, as I've the last three weeks been interviewing many, many uh, people in politics and those that are trying to get elected for the first time, you know, they're all saying, it is now or never. We're going to be past the point of no return. We're not going to be able to recover. And I believe they're right. We are right at that point. They've really got their daggers and everything. Uh, there's corruption everywhere. The CIA, the FBI, the DOJ. I mean, corruption is everywhere, including uh, many rhinos. I mean, either we turn this back or we never turn it back, Matt. That's right. And I think that the this idea of this is a struggle that, that is so hard or something like that. I, I want to just paint a different picture. We are a city set on a hill. This country is a city set on a hill. If you have heard that over the years, we are a city set on the hill. Yes. Yes. Light is turned on. There is no struggle for the darkness to flee. The darkness is just gone, but the light's got to be on. The struggle is whether the light's on or not. And really that's where we're at in this country is the light on or not. And, Lord, where do you want me to turn the light on? Do you want me to turn the light on in politics? Absolutely. The light should come on. You want me to turn the light on in business? The light should come on. You want me to turn the light on in the, the media and entertainment? The light should come on. And when the light comes on, that darkness is gone. It doesn't, it doesn't fight back like that. It's gone. And I think that we have made things way more complicated than they actually are. Corruption will flee when the lights turned on. Well, I'll tell you. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sir. Well, the corruption process is very simple. First, the enemy tries to get us to tolerate evil. And then when we tolerate it, well, it's not me doing it, but it's my neighbor, not that big a deal. We tolerate evil. Then the enemy says, okay, now you need to accept the evil. In other words, you must accept it. It can never be removed. And then, and then the enemy says, now that you've accepted it, that's not enough. You've got to celebrate the And then when that's not enough, you must participate in the evil. And just the subject of, of Halloween, that Christians not even knowing the true origins of some of these holidays, how they were twisted and perverted uh, by the pagans and, and also by Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and some other people in the, in the church and in the Bible. And I'm talking about church and the Catholic church. You have... People who are compromising on simple things, and then we expect them not to compromise on big things. If you are compromising on the little things, the, the big things, there's also going to be compromise there. 
That's how evil works. It gets its foot in the door through that toleration, and that's exactly where it needs to be nipped in the bud. That's where it needs to be stopped. We cannot tolerate evil. We cannot tolerate sin, and God has called us multiple times in Proverbs, in Psalms, in Romans. We must hate evil, hate sin, and love the good. Well, you're, you're right, and you brought up Halloween, and yeah, it, it's been it's been maddening, I know, for me, watching it over the years that Christians, mega, mega churches are celebrating uh, the witchcraft witches, their sacred day, Halloween, and uh, they're, they're, they're playing games like it. it's not real. I mean, this is how far out the church is in discernment and reality, not even recognizing uh, the dangers of celebrating a Satan witchcraft holiday and and the things they've done in the past and yet real witches mock the church for even participating in it and uh, we don't even recognize it just like most christians don't uh, recognize demons anymore and they just think it's all nonsense and it's all in your head we are so far from discernment matt uh, we need a great awakening uh, that's the only thing that's going to sustain us is a great awakening i mean yes we need to put in the right people into office now to stop re- losing the republic but without a great awakening i'll tell you what the science of judgment's going to come to pass anyway well and that's it the, the great awakening and, and one of the first things that needs to happen with people is to understand that evil is evil is a real thing yeah, totally. It's real. The devil is real. Hell is real. Uh, yeah. Demons are real. We need to understand. We need to understand these things. Well, I'll just give you an example. Just yesterday, our intercessors we prayed for eight months. We prayed for eight months. The Lord gave us places to go. We we went to those places yesterday with intercessory prayer teams. We claimed the ground for the Lord. We prayed cleansing over the ground. And we discovered just yesterday, and this is, we, we found multiple ones of these, but we, we discovered a satanic altar yesterday. Just yesterday. Yes, yes. And we found them in different high places around this area. I know they're on the west side of the state. I know they're in other places in America. But if you said there's a satanic altar there, most Christians would say, oh, that can't be true. And yet, throughout the Old Testament, it talks about high places, and the true mark of, a, of a, an awakening for society is you give your life to Jesus, you, you dedicate your life to the Lord, and then the high places are torn down. It was one of the, the fruits, the evidences, that there was real transformation happening in society, and right now we can't even get to the point of acknowledging that evil exists. Well, it does. Yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. I know when I first moved here in the Stanwood area, I mean, I've been here since August 2000, and uh, I remember one of the first papers, Stanwood Camino Island paper, on the front pages, celebrating the witches of Stanwood Camino Island. And here they were, broad in the front pages, with their pictures being taken, the witches of Stanwood Camino Island. And... uh, This is not an isolated incident. I've interviewed so many people and all through the United States of America of witches and and people being bled to death and sacrifices. And I was in law enforcement right in your area, uh, 75 to 85. And I can tell you uh, of, you know, the the, the reports and and cases where people were bled and and sacrifices were going on in parks. And and yet uh, it's not reported, but it was happening. It's exactly right. It was happening. This is this is not this is not a game. 
It's not a game where, oh, one day a year we just put on masks and everything. People don't even understand the origins of Halloween, both on the Catholic side and also on the pagan side with the festival of Samhain and this god of the underworld who gathered souls together to purge them of sin. And then the Catholic side, on November 2nd, All Souls Day, where they prayed for the souls in purgatory. And then that led to indulgences. And then All Saints Day on November 1st led to the, the essential worship of relics in St. Peter's big toe, and I'm being facetious there. And all of these things happened right now during this time of year. During the Festival of Samhain, they literally had a bonfire, or what was known in that day as a bone fire, hung, hung a, a wicker basket with either a human being or an animal in there. This is where Burning Man comes from. It's where Wicker Man comes from. And they would literally light it on fire, burn them to death, and see where the bones fell out on the ground and practice divination. And then the family members of the people sacrificed would carve a, what we know today as a jack-o'-lantern. They used turnips then. Now we use pumpkins. And at least we don't use pumpkins, but pagans do. They, they, they carve a jack-o'-lantern for every family member that was sacrificed in that manner. People don't have any clue what any of this stuff means. And if we don't understand evil, we don't understand truly sin— how do we know we even need a savior? And so I like to start there. For me, that's where my testimony came from. I witnessed the evil in Bosnia. I walked up to the mass grave. I saw the carnage. I saw the bloodshed. I saw the skeletons. I saw the hounds, uh, the hands still bound with wire and the, the skulls that still had blindfolds on them. And right in that moment, the Lord hit me between the eyes. And if there was that kind of evil in the world, there had to be the opposite and good. And I wanted to find it. Well, you're, that, you're right. Jesus, you're exactly right, Matt. I, I know that years ago on, on the morning television program, uh, I did days of television on Halloween and, you know, bobbing for apples. Well, they think bobbing for apples, but they were bobbing for heads and skulls. And I'll tell you, the paganism, uh, the human sacrifice, uh, what was actually going on, and uh, they they consider it the most holy day, witches in witchcraft that there is, and they, they can't believe that Christians are following it. I'm talking about mega churches acting like everything is fine, and they allow their, their congregations and their children to dress up in costumes, some of it representing demons, and they don't even know it, Matt. That's right. And I mean, I get, I get fired up about this because I have had so many Christians. In fact, we saw, we saw a, a Christian delivered of it last night, actually. So many Christians who've compromised in this area. And then they don't understand the other areas of their life where there's been compromise. So what, what's the solution? The solution is do not tolerate evil. Do not tolerate sin in your life. Don't even give it a toehold. Don't even give it a little crack in the door. And Jesus Christ died on the cross to not only pay the price for our salvation, but pay the price for our healing, pay the price for our deliverance, to turn the mourning in our lives into gladness and this awakening i think is happening i think people are understanding there actually is real evil in the world now and and i think just just last night with with uh, people that celebrated halloween i think there there's going to be an awakening to that this is demonic but it all has to point toward jesus that he is the indeed the solution here in, in Washington State, uh, western Washington, I live in uh, close to Stanwood, yet uh, they're still not doing the 4th of July parade because of the, the, the COVID nonsense. 
But here they're blocking off entire blocks last night for Halloween so the children can go around, including going going to churches. Matt, this made me sick. Yes. That's why I think, you know, the Christians in some of the big churches and some of the other places that say this stuff is not that big a deal don't understand. Um, They don't understand the principle that there is no safety for an honest man except by believing all possible people with evil so th- this kind of compromise just on something simple like Halloween turns into compromise on election integrity, compromise on allowing leaders that are that are intentionally evil. They have chosen evil to be holding the polit- positions of influence in this land, not only in the political realm, but also in the church. No, you said that, it, you said it yeah. at the beginning that uh, pastors were basically – uh, they're not engaged. They're not involved. They're afraid to speak the truth lest they offend. Because we haven't spoken the truth, the other side has allowed lies to continue and to perpetuate, and evil is the rule of the day because pastors are not doing their job. And actually, uh, their vanity is the cause of it, why they're, they're so afraid of, of being criticized instead of being worried about being judged by a holy God when their spirit leaves their body. That's right. That's right. I, that. To me, Dr. Hansen, that to me, honestly, we, we we just need right now the pulpits to be on fire, on fire. And I, I don't know. I don't have a frame of reference necessarily as a pastor of what the church is, is or what the seminaries teach. And thank God for that. I just think the pulpits need to be on fire with a hatred for evil, a hatred for sin and a love of Jesus Christ. I know when I had my first supernatural dream after five years of I was in law enforcement repenting of hating somebody. And and once I got that out of the way, you know, if you can't forgive, it's because you'd have too much vanity and pride. Once I got that out of the way, the Holy Spirit then can flow through me. And I've I've seen since 85 to now a supernatural life, meeting with government, seeing the miracles, seeing God manifest himself and make himself real and powerful. But I had that supernatural dream. I saw death lines. I saw myself meeting with the presidents, the prime ministers, the masses. But I also saw the heartbeat of God. It was broken. I said, why, Lord? Because He said, because of the church is in love with the world more than we, me. I said, why, Lord? He said, because of the pastor behind the pulpit. I came out of that dream sweating, started resigning of areas of responsibility, business practices, law enforcement, and started to go around the world. Uh, basically, a John the Baptist, Elijah type of ministry, a David Wilkerson type, you know, repent for the kingdom of God is nigh. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Warning Radio Program. Special guest has been Matt Shea. We've got to have another great awakening. Please go to my website, www.worldministries.org, www.worldministries.org. Click on my Eagles Saving Nation, subscribe today. We've got to get into the stadiums. We've got to get right back to Pentecost. We've got to allow the power of God to flow through with individuals without fear or intimidation. There's got to be a great awakening. Also, you need to order my book, The Science of Judgment, The Science of Judgment, and pray, pray for these elections coming up. I know that Sunday I'm in leading a prayer for the state of Washington. We're here in our chapel over here at Western Washington at World Ministries International, but there'll be 12 hours of prayer, prayer in every state coordinated. We need to pray. We've got to have free elections. We've got to put people into office. We've got to stop this tyranny so we can see a great awakening. God bless you. Now listen to the Science of Judgment. Order your copy today. 
Reverend Dr. Jonathan Hansen has written a book titled The Science of Judgment. God is predictable. There is a scientific pattern for the rise and fall of nations throughout history. We need to understand the laws or the rules of design regarding prophecy and judgment. When it comes to the laws of judgment and prophecy, denominational or personal belief systems have nothing to do with the reality or the certainty of the rule of judgment. Dr. Hansen's objective is to warn leaders of nations of the second coming of Jesus Christ and the plagues or judgments that are coming upon these peoples and nations that reject Jesus Christ as Savior according to the Scriptures. Dr. Ronald E. Cottle, founder and president of Christian Life School of Theology, states that this book is a must-read for Christians and other leaders in the United States and in other nations. It is clear, powerful, and well-reasoned. We all owe a debt of gratitude to Dr. Jonathan Hansen for the years that have gone into the research and writing of the science of judgment. This book has more than 300 pages, divided up in five sections. Part one, The Science of Judgment, has chapters titled such as The Laws Regarding Prophecy and Judgment, Patterns of Apostasy, Purpose of Chastisement, Standards for Justice and Mercy, God Forgives When People Repent, God Holds Nations Responsible for What Leaders Do, Parental Responsibility, The Feasts of the Lord, Solomon's Transgressions and Their Consequences, Righteous Kings versus Evil Kings, Example of King Jehoshaphat, Ungodly Alliances, God is Predictable, God Holds People Accountable, Man Can Turn into an Intelligent Beast to Do Evil. Section 2, The Deception of the Theory of Evolution, has chapters titled as Problems with the Theory of Evolution, Evolution and Racism, Darwin's Hatred of Christianity and Its Fruit. Section 3, Why Must There Be Judgment, has titles such as The Fall of America and Her Destruction, Cult Christianity, Radical Liberal Politics. Section 4, Kings, Dictators, and Presidents, with the following chapters listed as People Choose Their Nation's Leaders, Qualifications for Godly Leadership, Romans 13, Delegated Authority, Satan is in charge of this world, not Jesus, if laws violate conscience, we must disobey. Finally, part five, so what must we do? These chapters are listed as, we are in a cultural war, our responsibility to a hostile government, the Christian's science of judgment. With turmoil ever increasing throughout the nations as Bible prophecy is coming to life right before our very eyes, one must read the science of judgment to have a clear understanding of these events and the reasons why. Call 360-629-5248 360-629-5248, that is 360-629-5248, and request your copy of The Science of Judgment for a donation of $35 or more, plus shipping and handling. Thank you, and shalom. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen, and I want to welcome you to the Warning Television program. Also, if you're listening on social media or watching, welcome, as well as on Warning radio, and shortwave. We welcome all of you. This is a live audience in our chapel here at World Ministries International. I'm going to be talking today on pursue your faith growing. We need to pursue our faith. Pursue your faith growing. Matthew 5, or 8, 5 through 11, Matthew 8, 5 through 11, is the story of the centurion's faith continues to inspire me regarding the level of faith we can all reach our faith potential. The centurion, just speak the word. You don't have to come, just speak the word. 
No one starts the faith walk with great faith. We all have been given a measure of faith. That measure of faith can grow as we gain revelation knowledge, as we believe, speak, and act on the word of God. Our faith can grow. Our faith is supposed to grow if we're healthy. We're not supposed to stay with that same measure of faith. Like a child that doesn't grow, we would call it retarded. A Christian, if they call themselves a Christian and their faith doesn't grow, we would call that retarded. In other words, something is wrong with your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Your faith is supposed to grow. Romans 12, 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Even though we all have a measure of faith, and even though it's supposed to grow, we still need to understand it's the grace of God. Without a relationship with God, our faith can't grow. It all comes from God. We need to understand it. No matter how mighty we come in the Lord, the apostles, Paul, and others, they realized their faith and the grace came from God. If you remember Paul, I'm the worst sinner. Sanhedrin persecuted the church. Then he became truly a man of God, living faith. In other words, faith in God. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, who represented God on earth, who is part of God on earth, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He realized that even though, and I've used Paul as an example, especially when I was a younger man, I thought he was the greatest example to be used in the New Testament because no matter what happened, he pursued deeper faith. He was unstoppable. I just came from a conference where the theme was unstoppable. We're supposed to be unstoppable. It didn't matter what happened to Paul. He was unstoppable. Look at all of the persecution, the trials he went through. Yet Paul was unstoppable. His faith wasn't deterred. Faith is not emotions. It's obeying the will of God. His faith, his obedience to God was not in any way distracted. He was unstoppable. And for that reason, his faith continued to grow. Right to the very end, he wasn't afraid to lay down his life because his faith now was so very strong. To live, I live for God. To die, it's better yet. How many people say that? Not a whole lot of today's Christians that are so weak in their faith or they don't have faith. It's all mental ascent, realizing God is there, but yet their faith is in serving themselves. They depend on themselves. They trust in themselves. And that's why they deny the word of God when it comes to a test. Do they stand up for God? Do they keep their mouth shut? Do they run, hide, lie? Like some of the apostles did when they were disciples before they grew in their faith. 2 Thessalonians 1.3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you abounds toward each other. You know, that is really a measure of faith. Does our love grow for each other? Can we love each other? 
Can we forgive one another? It bothers me when people in their relationships cannot forgive one another. Because there are strong words from God himself. If you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. Wow. You say, but I'm a, a person of faith. Are you? Real faith is love. God is love. And yet if we say we cannot forgive, we cannot love, what kind of faith do you possess? Mental assent? Faith in yourself? It's something we need to take seriously and evaluate our relationship. What kind of faith do we have? To me, it's interesting to see that faith is measurable, can be increased to reach the fullest potential of, quote, great faith. Do you want great faith? I want great faith. Jesus measured people's faith when ministering to them. He would make the statement like, according to your faith, be it done to you. Wow. Indicating that some people have greater faith than others. When I went into Rwanda, you know, they had finished killing 1.3 million people. I still had to fast 42 days to go there. Fasting, as I've explained before, is a matter of denying self. In other words, eating is self-preservation. Deny self, a total fast. So instead of preserving yourself, a reflection of your pride, you are depending totally on God. You're putting on his spirit, his strength, his will, his word, his reality flowing through you. And then I went into Rwanda. My faith grew as my act of obedience went into a country that most people were running from. Why couldn't most people go in instead of run away? Their faith was weak. They wanted to preserve themselves, self-preservation. And I'm not saying all of them were wrong. I'm just saying, did they ever say, God, what do you want me to do? I know a lot of missionaries ran in World War II. My father was a member of the family of the Hansen family, Harold and Letta Hansen in China, 30 years, first missionaries under the Assemblies of God in northern China. And when the order came, leave, you'll all be arrested. Most left of every denomination, they ran. My grandfather prayed and said, God told us to stay with the church. They said, don't you realize you could be killed? You will be arrested. You will be tortured. God told me to stay with the church. They were arrested. They were tortured. His son-in-law, a pastor, shot and killed in the head. I consider my grandfather great faith because he wanted only the will of God. Great faith. Realizing to be absent from the body is present with the Lord and there is no harm done when God promotes you to heaven. Oh, you of little faith. According to your faith, be it done unto you. He also located the faith level of Peter in Matthew 14, 31, when he said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Peter tried to walk in the level of faith that Jesus was operating in, but was not quite ready to believe beyond the five senses longer than a few minutes. The phrase little faith here actually means faith did not last very long or short-lived faith. What are the five senses? Sight, hearing, taste, smell, and touch. Remember, doubting Thomas, I need to touch him. And Jesus said, then touch me. Put your fingers in my hand, in my side. He said, okay, I believe. Jesus wasn't happy with his faith. Oh, but you that believe without having to touch me. 
He thought Thomas should have been able to believe, and he should have. Jesus not only measures our faith when we are wanting to receive from God, but he looks for faith when we approach him. As proved from the story of the paralytic who was lowered through a roof by his friends. Now, his friends had a measure of faith, or they wouldn't have gone through that bother. They had a measure of faith. Quote, when he saw their faith, unquote. Luke 5.20. When he saw their faith, they lowered him through the roof because they believed Jesus could do it. Jesus witnessed their faith. Faith 5.20, faith that can receive from God, is so vital that Jesus will be looking for it when he returns. He says, will I find faith when I return? That's a just question, especially today when everything is topsy-turvy. When they've twisted the word of God and they lie about it. All sorts of abominations in the church. And ordaining some of these abominations. Drag queens. Ordained. Now in the Methodist church. Will I find faith? Jesus said. Again, Luke 5.20, faith that can receive from God is vital. And Jesus is looking for it today. I surmise that he will be expecting to see a lot of great faith by that time. Will the Son of Man find faith when he returns to earth? Luke 18.8. He'll be looking for faith. Are we looking for his return? Have we kept his commandments? Is the word of God sacred and holy? Do we live by them? Do we honor them? Do we make decisions by God's word? Are we truly people of faith? Or do we twist the word of God to make it more convenient for us so family and friends don't criticize us? That's not great faith. That's weak faith, if faith at all. That's faith in yourself. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. We will be persecuted, family and friends. Not every family member has great faith or faith. Some of them have no faith. Let's look at four keys in the development of great faith that we can see clearly in the life of a centurion that amazed Jesus with his faith. The centurion. One, recognition of the lordship of Jesus Christ. Matthew 8, 5 through 6. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, now I've been to Capernaum. I've taught in the synagogue where Jesus taught. Great thrill. I'm sure you have been there. A centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Capernaum. When I was there speaking, teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum, I thought of these things. That's what made it so special. Jesus was there. Yahshua, my Lord, my Savior, my God. Someone has correctly stated that, quote, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Is he your Lord, your God? To believe means adhere, rely, trust, and obey. It doesn't mean mentally recognize. The de demons and the devil mentally recognize and know God is God, but they disobey. They rebel. How many Christians recognize he's God but live in total rebellion? There's a lot out there. Total rebellion. They don't care what the word of God says. They think they are progressing and evolutionizing the word of God. What vanity. God doesn't change. How can you change God and his character and his laws and his morality and his ethics and his values? Pastor, if you're watching, what little faith you have, if any, but you have a lot of vanity. 
The second area key to development of great faith, clearly that the centurion had, was humility. Matthew 8, 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Humility is the opposite of pride and vanity. How many people expect when you go somewhere to be just front and center, head of the table? Now, I'm even speaking to a lot of pastors. Why isn't the gifts of the Holy Spirit moving so much? Maybe there's too much pride in you, especially if you reject the Holy Spirit saying it's not for today. There's a lot of pride in you. So arrogant, you think denomination can change the word of God? Jesus said, go tarry before you try to represent me and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about baptized, overflowing, speaking in tongues, moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the supernatural gifts. I'll tell you right now, if your pastor doesn't move in the Holy Spirit, doesn't move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, leave that church. Ichabod, Ichabod. The Lord has departed. He's so vain. He doesn't even recognize what God said is a mandate, a prerequisite before ministry even starts. Leave the church. Find a humble pastor that believes in the word of God, that doesn't offend the Holy Spirit, but wants to draw nigh unto the Holy Spirit to move in more powerful ways. Humility is a proper estimation of self. Pride is an overestimation of self. This centurion knew that he was not deserving. Even though he was a great man, led many men. That's, that's good, isn't it? He's not deserving of God's help because of who he was or what he had done, but all that God does for us is done as a free gift. He had earned his position and probably rightly deserving to lead a level and amount of the armies of Caesar of Rome. Qualified. But yet he wasn't so arrogant in himself in his pride, that he doesn't realize a greater than he is here, Jesus Christ. And when he compares his life to Jesus, I'm not worthy. That should be all of us. I don't care if you're president of the United States. I'm not worthy. Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Wow. Realizing that all good things come from God. Yes, people move some in greater faith than others. Yet, the reality, it's still from God. When we realize it, we stay humble. No matter how much we grow in our faith, like the apostles. Yet, I am not worthy, Peter said, crucify me upside down. That's the right attitude, even though such a strong leader in the church before he died. I'm not worthy. Number three. Again, we're looking at keys of development of great faith, understanding God's will. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Disease is not from God or from Jesus. Disease is from hell itself, the devil. We resist disease, amen? We resist it. We don't cooperate it. Some people don't understand that and they just cooperate till they die. I'm sad, sad that those type of people are so foolish and those around them where they attend a church so foolishly, just smile as you die. We're not supposed to be afraid of death, but we need to know our enemies when we're alive. We can pray for healing. Disease isn't from God. 
I'm praying that I'm strong all the days of my life. I want to follow Moses. Give me 120 years and Caleb and let me be strong. Amen? I will take this mountain. Recently, people said, pastors, my goodness, Pastor Hanson, you don't seem to age. You're stronger than I am. And these are people in, you know, 20, 30 years younger. Well, thank God, the grace is God. But I'm praying that way. <laughs> Let me be strong all the days of my life. Let me fight for you, Jesus, all the days of my life. I want to tap into the word of God and hold on to it and not doubt. Oh, I've got to act like a grandpa because I'm so-and-so years of age. No, no, no. I'm going to act like a young man in my prime. Amen? Dan, we have just begun. We have just begun. Amen. amen. That's the right place for Dan to say amen. Amen. <laughs> Again, understanding God's will, Matthew 7, 7. I will come and heal him. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. A great apostle of faith said, faith begins where God is known. Faith begins where, where the will of God is known. We must be convinced of God's will before we can pray in faith. Oh, hallelujah. That's why when I go to people who are sick, I, can, I know God's will. It's not for them to die. Not from disease. Let's resist the disease. Look to God. Amen? It doesn't matter then when God chooses later, but they don't need to die with disease. We resist it. And when we've done all we can, then we submit our, our life like King David did and said, your will be done. My son died anyway. Your will be done. Then we accept what is already accomplished. But we resist it until that time comes. 1 John 5, 14 through 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. With this understanding, you can go places and seek great healings and miracles. Knowing it's God's will, you deal with people. If they're in sin, you lead them in repentance so they can be healed. Jesus says, call the elders of the church. Why? Not so they just pray for them to evaluate. If there's sin, they lead you in repentance. Then let the healing come. Because our self, our pride, our rebellion, our sin stops that gift from flowing, healing. And four, understanding the faith of, the nature of faith. Understanding the nature of faith. Matthew 8, 8, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. I, I, I like that. Speak the word only. My servant will be healed. Real faith requires no proof, no evidence from the five senses. Again, sight, hearing, taste, smell, touch. We're not doubting Thomas. But believe with a heart, faith is the sixth sense. It's the sixth sense. Faith is the sixth sense. We have a sixth sense. Hallelujah. Matthew 8.10, when we read the astonishing words of the master, affirming a level of faith of this Roman soldier. Quote, Jesus said, I have found no faith is great, not even in Israel. What a compliment. I have not found so great faith, not even in Israel. Wow. And so many of the Jews were so haughty. Yet Jesus said, this Gentile 
I haven't found so great faith in Israel. Praise God. Hebrews 11.6, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. One, for the renewed mind, the supernatural is normal, the resulting of faith. Two, let the Jesus in you minister through you and do the works that Jesus did when he walked the earth in the form of man. Let your faith continue. So Jesus continues in you in the form of man to accomplish where he left off walking on earth. Jesus is not coming out of heaven. You have that responsibility to win the nations. You have that responsibility to save the nations. He comes back at the battle of Armageddon, removes evil governments, put in righteous leaders. But until that time, he said for you to go tarry and to continue where I left off. I commission you. You are my ambassadors. And to accomplish a lot, it takes great faith. And that faith in all of us can grow to great faith. The transformed, renewed mind operates in miracles, whereas studying the word alone predict, produces only a critical spirit. Hope you caught that. We don't want a critical spirit. We want a transformed mind, a renewed mind operating in miracles. Great faith, you can have it. Go to my website, www.worldministries.org. Click on Eagle Saving Nations. Help me to bring a great awakening through America. God bless you. Shannon? Powerful word tonight. Amen. I want to encourage everybody out there to do exactly that. Get over to worldministries.org and join this battle against the host of hell. Dr. Hansen, you will be speaking where? In uh, Reno, Nevada, here in just a few days? Where are you going to be at next? Actually, tomorrow night in Des Moines, Washington, my wife... We'll be speaking also tomorrow morning in Bothell, Washington. Then Thursday, I fly to Reno, Nevada, and I'll be in Reno until the following Monday, not only doing a conference, but nightly revival meetings, Great Awakening. Yeah, we're very, very busy, as well as I'll have a message for you tomorrow night, too. So yeah, we're speaking all the time right now, Shannon. This is exciting. Also, I want to tell you, I had an invitation by the grandson of the late Don Basham. His name is Michael Basham. He has a podcast called Spirit Wars to uh, join him on a large network called Fringe Radio Network. So they're carrying the Omega Man broadcast, and that means I'm taking you with me. Okay. <laughs> so we're getting some more exposure out there. Praise the Lord. God is opening some new doors. So oh, good. Praise God. Before we close tonight, Dr. Hanson, could you have prayer regarding the election next week? And you know, sadly, there's a lot of Christians that should be voting who are not. Yeah. It's occurred to me. Yes, we know there is voter fraud. But you know, God is able to get in there and stop some of these people. But God can't vote for you and I, can he? Let's say we pray against voter fraud, and God goes in there and blocks some of the people that would try to steal elections. And then the people of God do not stand up and vote. Well, the enemy could win, couldn't he? Yes. If them come out, then us. And I'm reminded of a passage. You don't hear too many people preach on. It's called the city of Miraz. And there was a, a city of people who came not to the help of the Lord when the enemies of Israel were coming against them. And it was so bad, they sat on their butt that the angel of the Lord was sent to them and said, Curse ye, Miraz. Curse him because they came not to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. Basically, these were people that decided to just sit it out. And, you know, I was thinking about that. 
And I've thought about the verses where it says, God looked for a man to stand in the gap that he might not have to judge. And he couldn't find anybody. We know that the enemy is doing all he can to steal elections. I believe he stole the last one. That's my personal opinion. Through some software backdoors. And he'd like to do it again. I was thinking, you know, a lot of people know this. And so they say, well, then what's the use of voting? Our vote won't change anything. They've already got it in the bag. And they're just going to do the same old thing again. Not so quick. You know, this lady named Cheney. I didn't like her father, Dick Cheney. She got overthrown, didn't she? And she's the one that's sitting up on that January 6th board trying to persecute Trump and everybody else along with him. She got dethroned, didn't she? That's right. Well, she's definitely pro-New World Order, just like her father. I think that we can get in trouble and we can even fall under, you know, psychological warfare of the enemy to make us think that the enemy's too great. Let's not show up. You know, not unlike those that dissuaded the people of Israel not to go into the land when God said, take the promised land. So they sent the spies in, and about 10 of them came back and said, oh, the, they're giants over there. They're, they're too big for us. We're like grasshoppers. So what do people do? They didn't take the land, and they paid a heavy price for it, didn't they? They got sent around the block for 40 years. That's right. I know that sermon you mentioned, around the block, by the way. So I said all that to say this. I want to encourage everybody who can, who still can, you may need to register still, to vote. Because if we vote and having done all we stand, then it's in the Lord's hands at that point. And God can stop through prayer the efforts of the enemy to steal elections, but he cannot vote for us. So if we don't vote, and, you know, we believe the lie that our vote doesn't matter, it's all been decided, well, that's right out of the book of Sun Tzu, Art of War. To beat your enemy with psychological warfare, and you never even have to fire a shot. That could be a self-fulfilling prophecy. We don't vote. We end up shooting ourselves in the leg. And I heard that Netanyahu is just back in office. Praise God for that. But that he had lost a previous election by one vote. Is that true? Yes. One vote? That's my point here. Everybody needs to get up and vote. And if we don't, then we don't have the right to even complain. Well, there we are. Thank you for sounding the alarm. You've had some great guests these past couple weeks. Oh, man. As we close tonight, Dr. Hansen, could you pray for these elections coming up next week? You know, I will, Shannon. In fact, you know, I shared how I'm speaking Saturday a couple of times. My wife is speaking. Uh, but then Sunday, I'm back here speaking. And then Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, I'm representing the state of Washington. You know, we're involved with a coordination of all 50 states involved in prayer. And so we'll have the chapel here filled. And I do believe in prayer. I mean, as we pray, we release heavenly hosts to battle demonic forces, but we then battle evil men. We have to do our job. And this is where Christians in many ways have failed to understand. They want to just pray for a nation. God's not coming out of heaven to save anybody's nation. If we don't do our job, he gave you the responsibility to be disciples and bring peace, prosperity to nations. If we don't make disciples in the nations, rule and reign and occupy, then the enemy rules the nation because the church failed. We have a responsibility and God has a responsibility. We pray, but then we do our responsibility on earth that God has commissioned us. We're his ambassadors. We bring peace to nations. And one of the way is we have to vote. If you're just going to pray about it, don't bother praying because I don't think you really know how or you don't have much authority in heaven because you've already not understood the word of God. So if you don't understand your responsibility, you don't need to pray. 
because I don't believe your prayer will come to pass since I don't believe, again, there's power behind your prayer. You must understand your responsibility and do your responsibility. You get right back to calling the elders of the church, Shannon. Why do we call the elders of the church? Not just to pray, but if a person is sick, we meet with them. And if there is a root of bitterness, if there is, again, anything in their life that they need to repent, we lead in repentance. Then the prayer of faith heals the sick. But many people are sick because they're in sin or unforgiveness or bitterness. We need to understand these things. We have to pray. We have to vote. So let's pray. Father God, we pray right now for the elections. And we should be in a spirit of prayer all the way through the elections. There are so many men and women that have, since the election of 2020, when the evidence is overwhelming, that the election was stolen overwhelming. And there's much that has been done, including courts that have ruled in the favor of righteousness. There's much that has been done to try to have a better, cleaner, more just election. We need to continue to pray. We battle evil forces through prayer, demonic forces. And then we have the freedom to see justice prevail. We have to pray. We have to vote. And Father God, we bind these evil forces that are trying to influence men to try to continue to rig and steal an election. We bind these evil forces, demonic forces. So again, men will be confused. They won't have a strategy. And righteous men can see their corruption and arrest them. Now, Father God, again, let your gospel go out with clarity, power, and authority. Thank you for Shannon Davis and what you're doing on Omega Men. Bless all of our efforts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for letting us be a part of this awesome message tonight and prayer. Folks, go to worldministries.org, sign up there, become a member of Eagles Saving Nations, and support the work of the warning program right there on that website. Many ways to do it. And Dr. Hanson, if someone would like to contact you by mail or phone, what is your phone number and mailing address? Okay, my phone number is 360-629-5248-360-629-5248. Now, my mailing address is World Ministries International, P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. That's World Ministries International, P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. We take all credit cards. We're on PayPal. Now, Zelly, Shannon, we had a problem with the bank. We've got to switch banks. They actually closed that down on us because they wanted us to answer questions uh, uh, like an NGO, and we're not an NGO. And so I told them that, and they shut us down as far as our Zelly account out of U.S. Bank. So we're going to be, again, with our credit union, but that won't be until December the 8th. So right now we can't get donations through Zelly, but we are on PayPal and all credit cards. Okay. Thank you for the update on that. Excellent. And uh, have a great trip and we will see you all next time. God bless you both. God bless you, Shannon. <laughs>